All right, everybody, we're trying to get this thing going here. Got uh, I am Scott Wright of the Oklahoma, Jacob Unruh, and Jenny Carlson going to be joining me tonight. And I'll uh, get it all set up, and we'll uh, uh, we'll do the uh, the old fashioned podcast intro, and uh, and hopefully be able to have a lot of fun here talking about Oklahoma State's victory over Arkansas Pine Bluff, sixty three to seven. So we'll get going here in uh, in just a second. Hello, and welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoma State's. The, the Oklahoma's Oklahoma State uh, podcast on OSU football. Um, we're, uh, we're trying to get all the technical difficulties worked out here. I'm here, so, Scotty. Uh, we appreciate Hey, there's Jenny. We got it all set up. The gang's the all Cowboy here. Chronicles, the Oklahoma's Oklahoma State football podcast and Twitter spaces in, uh, in postgame situations like this. So, hey, everybody. Uh, fun night at, uh, at Old Boone Pickens Stadium. Uh, Oklahoma State, 63-7 winners over... Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, I want to start. I want to start with this because there's a lot of uh, interesting numbers and different things we can talk about. But uh, biggest surprise. What was the most surprising thing that any of you saw tonight? Oh man, I think it has to be the special teams touchdowns. Right? I mean, doesn't that happen. Fun. It doesn't happen too often. And the incredible way they happened. Uh, Trace Ford's blocked punt and recovery for a touchdown was crazy. But then. The blocked field goal that Sione Asi actually gets credit for, even though he didn't touch the ball, because it hit off the back of a lineman's helmet. Um, and then Corey, ricocheted 30 yards or so, and Corey Black picks up and scores touchdown. That was one of the craziest plays I've seen in a long time. Pretty wild. Asi just shoved the dude straight back in in, uh, in the way, and, and the uh, low trajectory of the kickoff going <laughs> off the guy's helmet, and it goes flying. I had... Uh, like I realized really quickly it was blocked because it wasn't flying toward the goalpost, but I had no idea where the ball had gone at that point. You know, it was it was a uh, really weird deal. It, it was strange, and think about it: they, three different people got credit for that block uh, before they <laughs> at some point. Yes, so it was wild. It, yeah, was it was pretty wild. I thought uh, I thought the the speed that Trace Ford showed on his block and then his uh, scoop and score was pretty impressive too, guys. But, um, you know, I think for me, the some of the, the guys that you saw getting into the offense, I know this was just Pine Bluff. We'll probably say that a million times. But, you know, you had some young receivers that got uh, into the end zone. You had some running backs that continue to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think, uh, you know, just continuing to see that offensive evolution, you know, we knew that was going to be the um, – the, uh, the the group that was sort of on the mature side, more experienced side, but still to see some young guys get into the mix a little bit, and you think, yeah, maybe they could do this, uh, you know, throughout Big Twelve play. I think that's a, an ongoing storyline within that offense. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, you uh, you touched on one of the things that I was thinking about pointing to as the most surprising thing was uh, was seeing the uh, the quality of play from the young receivers in particular the two true freshmen, Stephon Johnson Jr. and Talon Shetron, uh, particularly on that one drive where uh, it, was, uh, it was all Johnson all the way down the field. They ran him on a reverse, threw a couple of passes to him, and then Shetron makes the incredible catch on the fade in the corner. So, um, but, uh, but just for fun, because you know I love punters, uh, biggest surprise to me was Logan Ward, uh, redshirt freshman walk-on from Deer Creek, coming in and booming a 63 yarder you know yeah where'd that come you from 
you don't get a second chance to uh, to make a first career punt. And that dude boomed a 63-yarder. That was impressive. Then he follows it up with a 52-yarder his, uh, on his second one. Uh, really, uh, really pretty crazy to, uh, to see a kid out like that in that situation get out there and, and make that happen. I was, Look uh, out, Tom Hutton. I was happy for that. Uh, listen, Tom's, Tom's job is safe uh, because, because Mike Gundy is all about target punting. He's not yeah. necessarily worried about how many 60-yarders you boom. He wants yeah. to know if you can, uh, if you can, uh, you know, if you can, uh, if he throws a hula hoop down on the field, he wants you to be able to punt inside that hula hoop, <laughs> regardless of uh, of how far. Wait, does, does he put hula hoops on the field? Because I really hope he does. I I hope so. I'm going to suggest that to him at his uh, at his next availability to uh, to to work on his punters target punting. Um, <laughs> Uh, 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 one surprising thing on the uh, uh, kind of the uh, the opposite side of things, they did not really run the ball. Uh, they didn't really try much early, and then it really took them a while to uh, to get much effectiveness out of it. Uh, Ollie Gordon ends up with the big run. Gunnar Gundy had a uh, an impressive run. I want to talk about him later, but um, it really took them a while to to get that going. And you got the feeling talking to Casey Dunn after the game, uh, a little bit disappointed that they weren't able to line up and uh, and just pound the ball a little bit more than they did. Yeah, but guys, Mike Gundy said that, you know, Pine Bluff really dropped back a lot of guys and basically forced their hand a little bit. So it was a little bit of scheming too, I think, that, you know, may have put them in some situations. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you can't go establish the run when you want to establish it, that's always got to be a little bit concerning, right? When I looked and saw they had four yards for rushing after the first quarter, I was a little concerned. But then it evened out, but – Four yards. I could see where Casey Dunn was disappointed when the first team can only get four yards in one quarter against Pine Bluff. Yeah, and they didn't. They didn't try much. I think Spencer no. Sanders uh, ran like twenty-one plays or something, and and threw the ball sixteen times. So it's not like they were uh, going out there and, and just getting stoned at the line. Uh, but to not uh, to not have productive moments in those uh, those opportunities that they did take it. Uh, a little bit concerning because now that's uh, two out of three games where you really kind of struggled to run the ball. Um, and, uh, you know, really the team that was probably your uh, your most talented opponent defensively, Arizona State, was the team that you uh, you actually ran the ball pretty well against. So kind of a, a strange dynamic to, to this here early in the season. Uh, but we know what Baylor's got on the defensive line two weeks uh, two weeks from now. And establishing the run is going to be very important in that game. So that's uh, definitely a storyline to watch as uh, as the next two weeks progress and, and they get ready for uh, for that one. So, uh, but I wanted to come back to Gunnar Gundy. Um, you know, there's going to get a point where he's done enough stuff that the novelty is is not the same for him. But right now, it is just really fun to watch a kid that literally. Okay, he was born. November of 2001, Mike Gundy's first season as, uh, as Les Miles' offensive coordinator was 2001. So, uh, I mean, literally this kid has grown up in Oklahoma State football. It's, uh, it's just really cool to watch. I'm, I'm a big fan of watching Gunner. I've, you know, I've watched him since high school, early in his high school career. and You get to see him grow up in that regard and then now this regard. Uh, to go out there, and I mean, I, I was practically begging – he was begging, I think, for to get to throw a pass. Finally. I was, <laughs> he was begging too. Like, let this guy throw the ball. All he's done against TCU last year was hand the ball off. All he did was in week one against Central Michigan, his one drive was hand the ball off. And he comes in and what it was three or four plays, he hands the ball off. And I thought, he's never going to get to throw a pass in his career. He's just yeah. there to hand the ball off. 
<laughs> and, uh, or maybe running himself. Um, finally, he threw just a three-yard pass, and that seemed to kind of loosen him up a little bit. And, um, he, he looked good, I thought. Um, ran the offense well and threw well. Um, made good decisions. His interception was, was by no means his fault. And, right. Uh, you know, I, but I think it's good he got that out of the way, too, and he talked about that after the game. So it, it is really cool to see kind of a – he's the true legacy kid. Um, you talk about legacy kids and stuff, and he's he's the true example. Of that I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it was interesting yeah. listening to him. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jenny. No, I was just going to say, I, I do think that it was it was valuable time. You know, it, it's easy. And, I, I, you know, Mike is obviously his dad talked after the game that he wished he could have got – some more reps for Garrett uh, Rangel at the end of the game, but really to get if 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 Gunner's your second team guy to get some true reps under his belt. I mean, like you guys said, you know he hasn't really done anything anything other than hand off. So the fact that he was able to actually throw the ball, run the offense, you know, Oklahoma State's going to be in a bad spot if Spencer Sanders goes down. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that, but. You gotta get you gotta get some reps in your your next guy down the list. So I thought that was invaluable for this team to get that tonight. It absolutely was. Uh, I mean, we've been saying this since uh, you know, really going back to spring. Spencer Sanders has never made it through an entire season healthy. He's missed at least one game every season, multiple games, two out of the three. So uh, you got to have Gunner Gunny ready if that opportunity comes along and he's, and he's got to go out and be your guy. But um, man, it was, uh, it was cool. It was cool talking to Kale Cabinets who caught the second of Gundy's two touchdown passes. Those guys were, were T-ball teammates somehow. Uh, you know, even though Cabinets grew up in Norman, Gundy obviously in Stillwater, uh, they ended up on the same T-ball team, which uh, tells you they, they were taking their T-ball pretty seriously apparently back then. Um, and uh, you know, now they're roommates, uh, you know, both, both walk-ons, obviously Gundy's situation is a little bit different, but, uh, both walk-ons, uh, you know, came out of high school the same year, uh, really, uh, really unique intertwining of their, uh, of their journeys to this point. And for, uh, for Gunny to be the passing quarterback on, uh, Cabinus's first career touchdown is a, uh, is a pretty cool deal. I asked, I asked Cabinus, uh, you know, you had the Boise State catch a year ago that iced that game, and uh, and then the touchdown on the home field with all your family in the stands for this one. Uh, asked him to rank them, and he couldn't really uh, couldn't really uh, discern between the two. So, uh, both pretty cool moments for a uh, for a young guy from Norman. Guys, right, is yeah. there is there one other thing? Is there any chance that Gunnar Gundy is like the Kevin Bacon? of our state like every you can connect everybody and like two or three connections back to gunner gundy because to hear yeah. the stories about the uh, t-ball team and roommates and who he knows and blah 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 i just have a feeling like he may be our kevin Bacon. yeah it's uh, that's very possible <laughs> well, we uh, we can uh, we can uh, collaborate on the on the book one of these days the uh the, the six degrees of gunner gundy so uh, <laughs> we'll have to uh have to get that going all right well we're uh, we're almost back to the uh back to the car for the end of our cowboy football walk and talk here so uh as always we finish with the, the most important thing i forgot oh man the most important thing you forgot let's gotta see. be something defense we hardly talked defense yeah. at all there wasn't a lot ben, to talk about defensively but go ahead yeah. jacob how about ben Kavinsky? And oh ben absolutely 
two sacks, yeah. two quarterback hurries. Um, right. He he was he was really good coming off the bench at the defensive end, and um, he he had moments last year early in the season, and then you know kind of you know he still played but wasn't as effective late. You know when they had so many guys playing well, and for him to get out there tonight and play an extended time like he did and really play, you know they were impressed. And Derek Mason said at the game like you know this is a guy that had a really good spring that no one really talked about, um, but he's out there making plays and can really really do things that help this defense and Trace Ford said the same thing. You know, Trace Ford said that it kind of sucks that, you know, he, he can't get out there, that, that Kavinsky can't get out there more because the defensive line's so talented, so experienced. Um, guys like that kind of get pushed, uh, pushed aside. Yeah, it's, uh, he is a, a really talented player. Uh, got uh, some really good speed for a guy that you, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I saw him walk into the interview room. I had never seen him face-to-face before. And I thought, oh, this must be one of the uh, one of the assistants for the sports information staff. I uh, I can't imagine that that's an actual football player, uh, because you know he's not uh, to use Mike Gundy's numbers. He's not six five two sixty coming off the edge. Uh, you know he's a he's, what six one six two, and uh, you know he's he's pretty well built. But um, you look at him, and you don't think, well, this is a uh, a power five defensive end right here. Uh, but, man, he uh, he makes plays when he gets the opportunity. Pretty impressive. All right, Jenny, anything from you? The most important thing I forgot. I'm going to take a little broader view, guys. I, uh, I, I looked ahead a little bit, and obviously Oklahoma State had, heading into an off week, but maybe the thing that we need to take a second and, and talk about is the Big 12. You know, we knew this was going to be a pretty, you know, tough league to determine, a lot of parity, but we saw another team that, we expected to be in the running, go down this, this weekend. K-State loses. Um, you know, they show really inept offense. I think their defense is still pretty good, but is their offense going to be capable of, of being in the mix? It's just, to me, the Big 12 continues to get more and more interesting. And I know this wasn't a huge test for Oklahoma State, but they have to feel as good as any team right now. I mean, I know Oklahoma went on the road, won at Nebraska, but man, Nebraska's a mess. I don't know if they really got a, a great test there. So, you know, Oklahoma State has to feel like, listen, there's a lot of tough teams in this league, and we're one of them. I think that's what Oklahoma State has to go out of non-conference feeling like. We're not perfect, but we can go out and beat some teams too. Look at that. Jenny trying to end the podcast on a high note. Yeah, that's, no uh, that's strong. Oklahoma State fans got to like that. But, uh, but you're, you're absolutely right, Jenny. Um, this is a, uh, uh, a preseason that went, uh, you know, after a couple of, uh, of recent years that, that where the, pre- the, uh, the, non, the, the pre-Big 12 portion of the season did not go really I- ideally. Um, to be here in this situation right now has to feel great for Oklahoma State, and they've got to have a lot of confidence in, uh, in what lies ahead. Obviously, things get really tough really fast. You go on the road to Baylor after an open week. So, um, you know, no, uh, no promises beyond, uh, beyond October 1st. But uh, got to like the situation that, uh, that they're in right now in terms of, of where they can go with, uh, with, within this conference. So, really good stuff. All right, unless uh, either of you have anything else, I think that, uh, that'll do it for, for this edition of, uh, of the Cowboy Chronicles Twitter spaces and, uh, and, uh, and podcast. So, um, Thanks for letting me join the walk and talk. This was fun. 
Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, Jenny. And uh, as always, Jacob and I will be back at Stone Cloud Brewing Company on Tuesday to uh, discuss what, uh, what the Cowboys got going on in the open week uh, and, uh, and what beer we'll be drinking, which is probably the most important part during an open week. So It's, um, it's definitely the most important part of the bye week. Yeah, so, uh, so come out and join us, uh, join us for that. Uh, we're doing some things to try to improve the audio uh, quality of, uh, for the podcast portion. So uh, any of our regular podcast listeners, feel free to, uh, to chime in and let us know what you think of that. We want to get this uh, uh, this post game podcast up to uh, up to our, our standards here on the Cowboy Chronicles. So we uh, we do appreciate all the feedback. Thank you for that, and uh, and thank you for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles. We will talk to you on Tuesday.